Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's Wesson Walker live from ACC tip-off at the Hilton Uptown. As I mentioned in the tweet, buckle up. It's about to be a wild show with all of the guests that we have from 12 to 3 p.m. Get to your radios. Do it. Do it right now. If you want to listen on the app, that's fine, too. Just go to 92.7 FM, download the WFNZ app. You should have done it anyway. But if you haven't, do that, and then you can take us wherever you want. You can take us wherever you want to go, and you can catch all of the guests that we have scheduled for ACC tip-off today. In fact, Tony Bennett should be joining us any minute now. Like, Fiddy, my co-host once again, filling in for Wes Bryant. Wes is going to hop on with us at 2 o'clock today, so he's not skipping the entire day. No San Francisco loss to Dodge, so that's why he decided to join us for the last hour. Fiddy, as the co-host, though, we're not going to get any time really to wait. Tony Bennett should be joining us at any moment. You yeah, excited no, about it? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's this is always one of the, the more exciting days of the year. It's my favorite show, as we talked about yesterday, to do. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun because we've got we've got all the big guns coming to, uh, coming to the set today. We get to ask them the hard-hitting questions to get ready for another year of ACC basketball. All right, so we have a couple of big storylines to get to. We'll discuss those with our guests. I think the top two storylines so far, though, are one – Fitty decided to wear a suit to this event. <laughs> so that's number one. That's what everybody's going to be rolling with. And then number two, Terrence Oglesby came over to our table. He talked with us for a while. Great meeting him in person as we're set to watch him on TV for the Hornets game tonight, also launching their season. But he told you to shave your head. He told you to go straight cue ball because that's the move that Oglesby said. He just went on home. So those are the two main things for me, at least, Fitty. You're wearing a suit. You decided to bring out the attire today, and you're also going to shave your head at some point. How do you feel? You literally said as we were coming on, we're going to talk about the two big storylines, <laughs> and none of mine were ACC-related. They were my dress attire yep. being told by a fellow bald man, hey, it's okay to shave the head. When I first showed up, I got here about 8.30 this morning, I thought I was overdressed. I don't, I don't no longer feel that way. There's some other guys that have really brought out the swag yeah. here on Radio Row. And then Terrence Oglesby, I was going to ask him, Look, man, you're bald. Give me some advice. And he looked at me and said, dude, just get rid of it. So, just shave it. We've all told you that. Just come on home, as um, Monty Jones said. And, and so my dad's going to love that when I go back home this weekend and I tell him, Dad, it's you know, it's it's time. And, 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 and make me a bald brother because, uh, <laughs> you know, when, when, once a fellow bald man gives you the pass, it's time to get rid of the hair. Yeah, everybody is weighing in. Has a ginger wife, writes in on the text line. You can too, 704-570-9610. Definitely shave it, bro. Stop holding on. We've had this discussion. <laughs> now that you got advice from people outside of Wes and Walker, I would hope you would take that advice seriously. And speaking of seriously, maybe we give the serious headlines here. I was talking about this with Jeff just a little bit. If we really want to dive into the basketball headlines, I don't want to just continue to go to North Carolina as the top story every year, but there was just so many problems last year on the court and maybe even a little yeah. bit documented off the court. I can't help but stick with the Tar Heels as the number one intriguing team. Duke is the most talented. They're freaking loaded, man. It's crazy that the narrative surrounding the end of the Coach K era, or at least once there was one chapter flipped, it was that the one and done really ain't working for him. That era, you get a championship, 
But Duke, not necessarily thrilled with just one championship. You wanted more. And so on the flip side, North Carolina was the team that would get the talent that wasn't ready to leave for the pros after one season. But Duke didn't have that this year. They had Tyrese Proctor come in. They had Mark Mitchell. They had Kyle Filipowski. All, all of those players could have gone pro. Yep. But every single one of them decided to come back, including Jeremy Roach, who was a lead guard. When you have somebody experienced like that helping. I, all that to say Duke is the most talented team. I don't want to take anything away from them. But I just am fascinated to see what North Carolina is going to look like this year. No Caleb Love, all the transfers, and, of course, Armando Baycott, super senior season. Yeah, go ahead and queue up the WFN, Heel, NZ, whatever type of text we get from you know the Pack Pride members of our listening audience. But Carolina is the biggest intrigue because you just you really just don't know. What, what this team is and what they're going to be, I liked, I like to think I like the make of, of, of what Huber Davis has put together um, entering his third year um, as Carolina's head coach, and I've said it all offseason long as a guy that covers this team and follows them in depth. The last head coach to miss, ma- miss back-to-back tournaments wasn't asked back for a fourth season. He's entering his third year, coming off not making the NCAA tournament. The pressure is on him, and we're going to figure out, did he get the right type of pieces to put together a team that can restore Carolina basketball to the top of the ACC and back to national prominence? All right, I already got a text from T-Bone. He wrote in, can you ask John Shire what day I should put out my new Duke flag spelled with two Gs? (laughs) If you don't know what that's in reference to, that's in reference to the prized prospect Cooper flag, who has not yet decided where he's going to play basketball. But Duke, of course, is right at the top of that list, as mentioned by a lot of reports. And so what I like here is that T-Bone is asking me to already, as soon as we start the day, bring John Shire to a point where he already has a recruiting violation. That's what I, and by the way, quick story, I did that one time early in my radio career. No, you did not. I kept pushing Jeff Capel to tell me about Zion Williamson's recruitment. So early on, there was a, I just didn't know. I was young. It was my first time really talking to somebody like Jeff Capel about Baby recruiting. Face. And it was Zion, man. Like, he's infiltrating all of my social media accounts, which is one, to be fair. But he's infiltrating the Twitter account. I'm like, look, man, I want to know where Zion's going. How is it recruiting him? And Jeff is like, well, look, he was real nice about it. But Jeff is like, look, man, I can't talk about it. That's a recruiting violation. And so... I'm left there embarrassed, saying, sorry, I did not mean to try to get you in trouble. And he laughed at it, and we had a good time. But I can't do it to Duke again. As much as you would like me to do that, Fiddy, I can't do that again after already having done that to Jeff Capel. Uh, let's go to a couple of other texts here before we welcome Tony Bennett on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Uh, Captain Cabinet said, serious headlines. I see what you did there. It's a great joke. Talking about your hairline, City. Yeah. It's a great, great joke from Captain Cabinet. I wish I could have said I'd come up with that myself. Trumpy hit the drums. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, already producing, too, on site. Uh, Copeland wrote in. The Jokeland said, I disagree. I think the shaved head look only looks good for a minority of those who do it. Adam Silver looks ridiculous. Don't be an Adam Silver. Well, I'm not a dookie, so I don't think I'm going to look like an alien once I go bald. Um, but, look, when, when your hairline is running as far away as mine is, I, I, I have no choice. And as a man that's been single for over a year, if it's just going to mean I got to embrace the single lifestyle forever, I'm willing to embrace that mm-hmm. because – you know, I this, just want to see it. I'm just so interested. I'm like a cue ball. When I when do you see me on Monday? Mm-hmm. You're gonna take me to a pool rack, and uh, you're 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 gonna want to break. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was about to say break on my head, but that sounded weird. All right, let's move on then instead of talking about more weird stuff. I did want to also, it's not only ACC tip-off and college basketball tip-off here, but we're actually going to see real NBA basketball in the Queen City tonight when the Charlotte Hornets tip off against the Atlanta Hawks. By the way, continue to listen to WFNZ, as you would, every single day. From 3 to 6 p.m., Kyle Bailey going to be hosting a show live from the Spectrum Center ahead of tonight's game against the Atlanta Hawks. I was discussing a couple of other storylines as we just try to give a macro view of round ball here in the city of Charlotte. For the Hornets, I'm interested in Brandon Miller. Mm-hmm. What kind of role does he have immediately? Is he going to be playing a lot of minutes off of the bench where he's the guy running the show? I know that's been a concern of yours, Fiddy, the lack of depth, the lack of offensive punch. Well, you have a second overall pick who's poised, who is such a smart basketball player in Brandon Miller. Does he come in right away and help? Before we move on to the next storyline, how much do you think Brandon Miller is going to contribute right away? I think he's going to play a big part because I think he's a really, really good basketball player. And Terrence Oglesby said he's a guy that plays well with other good basketball players. I wonder, are they asking too much of him as a rookie coming off the bench to be the guy to really maybe be the leading scorer? Because I think it's the biggest issue. I think one through five, this team could be a top six to seven team in the Eastern Conference. But when you go to that second unit, there's a drop-off, and I don't know. That's what separates the good teams from the great ones is they have that depth. And so we're going to find out. Um, And like I said, it, it, it might be tonight where you and I look at each other as we're sitting there at, uh, at, at Media Row at Spectrum Center watching the Hornets play, and we miss Kelly Oubre together because <laughs> that the, the lack of bench scoring is the reason why I'm not as optimistic this team can be a playoff team as some people are. Um, so another playoff of that would be with Brandon Miller and how much he plays in his first game ever as an NBA player. Does that comfort you if Miles Bridges, one, does miss more time because of the off-the-court issue, but also... If he's just going to have rust because the dude hasn't played organized basketball to that level in over a year. So does Brandon Miller allow you to feel comfortable rolling with him if Miles Bridges has some rust after the 10-game suspension? Or if the 10-game suspension becomes longer because we just don't know mm-hmm. how much he's going to play this year. So that's another unintended storyline coming off of Brandon Miller and the volume there. The other one is I'm going to look at the starting five, and I think the two guys we've talked about most this offseason, there's been a lot. But I think the two guys most talked about, of course, it's LaMelo, who has the $200 million contract extension. He's still the star of this team, so we're going to focus on him. But it's also Mark Williams, who is a first-round pick, 15th, just the slot right outside of the lottery, and did not play. Did not play for the first two months. Really wasn't a part of the rotation until after Christmas. December 26th was his first game where he was a real part of the rotation. We had some questions flirting with the idea that he's already a bust. Wes is quick to do that. I'll clown him a little bit. He likes to do that. But I'm really interested to see the two-man game between LaMelo Ball and Mark Williams and how that's going to play out for the Charlotte Hornets this season. And so with the two-man game going on like that, P.J. Washington, after a long offseason of trying to figure out where he's going to play basketball, we finally have an answer, and it's here, and it took a long time, but is he going to go back into a different role that he's more comfortable with like he was a couple of seasons ago? All right, I told you we're going to start off really right off the rip with a big guest, Tony Bennett, coach of Virginia basketball. He joins us now on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Coach, it's a pleasure. We appreciate you hopping on. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I, you know, the two-man game you were talking about, 
you know, I was a Charlotte Hornet, so there was a two-man game. It was me and Alonzo Mourning. Not really. It was more. It was me and Kenny Gaddison because I was the backup point guard to Mozzie. Oh, the Gat man. Then. God, we love the And Gat actually, man. Mike Jeminski and I played together at the Hornets, so um, fond memories for sure. And you better have a good two-man game, certainly, in the NBA, without a doubt. But, no, I'm glad to be here. And you know what? You guys are my last interview of the day for ACC Media Day, so... I am delighted. Okay. To be here. Well, well I, I didn't. I didn't intend to ask a Charlotte Hornets question immediately, but now I have to. When you see Mike Jeminski, when you when you ever your paths cross with some other former Hornets, yep. how much did you enjoy playing for the Hornets at the heyday no of doubt. even still? I mean, even still, it's considered the glory days playing alongside Alonzo Mourning, yeah. watching Muggsy, and of course LJ. Dell. Um, ninety-two to ninety-five. You know, it was the old Charlotte oh, Coliseum, yeah. the Hive, and. Lonzo hit a last-second shot. We beat the Celtics in the first round. But and I, one funny memory is Dell would bring Seth and Steph. They were probably four or five years old, and they'd tear around our locker room. And they used to shoot the basketball in the, the laundry bin. And you'd be like, ah, you know, these, these little guys, you know, who knew, right? <laughs> You're going to have one of the greatest ever uh, right there. But the town embraced, Char at that time, Charlotte Hornet basketball uh, it was racing and it was basketball. <laughs> the Charlotte Speedway and the uh, Charlotte Hornets, there wasn't an NFL team. And um, I think we led consecutive sellouts, like 24, 600, 24,000. Like, I mean, like, it was double-digit seasons yeah, that, and that happened. It was exciting. And I, you know, coming into that and playing in that was unbelievable. And um, the excitement in that place. And then again, we had good teams. I, you know, free agency, everything changes. But I think that had the makings to be such a special group. Again, I had a small part in it as a backup point guard, but just to be up there during that time was, was a blast. They talk about it all the time. Dell talks about it all the time, but that group could somehow stick together. They yeah. could have accomplished it. And I think it. I was the key. I mean, I'm sure he says that all the time. He says that, too. He says yes. if it wasn't for Tony, I think he's got then it right. Alonzo wouldn't have hit the shot against Boston, <laughs> and so he gives you all the credit That's in the good. world. You certainly deserve a lot of credit for the success of Virginia basketball. That is the voice of Tony Bennett, head coach of the Cavaliers, joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Coach, it's been a roller coaster tourney experience for you. You know, after what happened with the championship, exiting the first round a couple of times, you've seen the ultimate high and the ultimate low. How much does that callous you? Does it callous you enough to be able to handle adversity better than some of these other coaches who have not had the same highs and lows as you have as the head yeah. coach of Virginia? Yeah, I think you're you're always tested in. Well, you get tested when things go really well. How if you'll stay true to what matters. And then when you go through adversity and losing games, and you always remember it is just a sport. You just open your eyes and look around the world and see what's going on, and it's a reality check in that regard. But, um, yeah, we've we've won in some dramatic fashions and lost in such gut-wrenching ways. And, yeah, it's a good question. I think it – I don't know if it calluses you, but um, it gives you more gray hair probably, and it, it does prepare you for – appreciating like when you have had success because you got to earn your way into that tournament and you know the the agony of uh you know losing and then certainly the ecstasy of winning so i think it it just is it's real stuff and it makes you hungry to try to get back and hopefully taste it again last year when we talked to you we talked about the similarity between foundation transitions you experienced example from malcolm brogdon justin anderson they leave, you lose double-digit games. You set the next group up with Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, right? And then you lose double-digit again. Now eight games last year. You guys look talented, no doubt yeah. about it. With some of the freshmen you have coming in, the younger players, Reese Beekman back, looks like a first-round pick. 
are you looking to does it feel like that again like you're building off of that so because to me it just seems like very similar foundation builds that you've had from one iteration of a Virginia team to this next one you're bringing in yeah I think if I answer it honestly I don't know because you know we only have Reese which is a huge guy coming back Ryan Dunn played 11 minutes as a freshman. Yeah. Isaac McNeely played 20 minutes. Everyone else is brand new. Those are three important pieces, so it will be determined how ready some of the transfers or the young guys are. I think this group could stay together, minus Reese, uh, for the next two, three years, which will be good. Um, but I think we're very unproven, and I'm used to having a little more continuity, so that part's real. But I think the good programs have lasted, and they've sustained, and... Um, those guys that have the experience and the guys we got coming back, I think, have the makings to be good. I think we'll evolve as this season goes on. But I am excited about them. And, um, you know, again, I think the league looks like there's some quality depth this year, for real. It's not just talk. And so that will that will test everyone. All right, last question before we get you out of here. We got to know Ron Sanchez during his time coaching the Charlotte 49ers. He's now back on your staff. What does he bring to your staff that you might have yeah. been missing because of his absence the last few seasons? Yeah, well, he's the reason when this thing was built, he and Coach McKay and Jason Wilford, they came in and for nine years built us into, you know, he left and then we won the national championship. I always joke about that, but we wouldn't have a chance yeah. at that without him building it. And I think having Reese come back and getting Ron were two of the significant additions to our, our deal. When you're a head coach, you just have experiences that you couldn't have. And so I think his wisdom his know-how, our familiarity with each other has been great. And so, I, you know, I didn't know if it would happen, but um, I just am so grateful. And I think he's going to add a huge, not only this year, but for the future of our program, a huge, uh, huge boost. All right, that is Tony Bennett, Virginia basketball coach, also the man that allowed the Charlotte Hornets to have all their success during the glory days. Right <laughs> there, the sole reason. Tony Bennett joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Appreciate your time, Coach. Thanks, guys. All right, once again, always great talking to Tony Bennett. I'm excited about this team, to be honest with you. I think they're young. I think they're talented, and it should be a lot of fun to see how they develop as the season goes on. Let's take a quick break. We have a lot more time to get to some interviews here. Let's do it right now. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We are live from ACC tip-off at the Hilton in Uptown Charlotte. My man Josh Fitty Marlowe filling in for West today until the 2 o'clock hour. Then it's a three-man show. I told you we're not going to waste any time. We got a jam-packed show today, and so we'll go back to the Body Works Plus guest hotline. And this time, welcome Tyrese Proctor from the Duke Blue Devils, although... Tyrese, I wasn't so sure that we were going to have you this year, man. I thought yeah. you might be playing professionally, being in the NBA. You deciding to come back along with Flip, along with Mark Mitchell. You have Jeremy Roach as well. Clearly a talented squad. I did want to say, too, just last year, I think it was evident you were rising up draft boards. You, in the second half specifically, you took your game to a different level. 
So what do you attribute that to? What happened, you think, in the second half of last season where even if you were good the first half, you clearly took it to a different level and then ended, despite a loss, with a good yeah. performance against Tennessee? I think just the biggest thing for me was being confident and, and um, staying true to my work. Obviously, like you said, didn't have the best start to the season, but you know, working with all the coaches every day, just keep leveling up my game. And, and I mean, it was just getting a feel for the game, um, transitioning from Australia over to America. And, you know, the play style is so different over here. And just adapting to that, getting games under my belt, and then just having the confidence at the back end of the season to, to do and to play how I play. How different is it? Like, what, what are the main differences? I think the biggest one is just the speed of the game. I think that's the big one. The physicality, I was sort of used to just playing against professionals back home and stuff like that. Um, another thing is just valuing every possession. You know, you could let up a layup, and that guy could have 20 points that night because of that layup, or just little things like that. Just valuing every possession that that I, before coming to college, wouldn't have thought it was that important. Honestly, it makes sense that dealing with the physicality and with you being one having one of your better games, even against Tennessee, which that was a football game out yeah, there. I mean, sure. probably a little too physical if you ask yeah. some Duke fans. <laughs> but but certainly you were ready for it and you played really well. I did want to know when you were looking to decide, am I going pro? Am I coming back to Duke? What was some of the advice that you received, whether it be about your overall things that you need to work on and was it smarter for you to come back? What was some of the advice that you uh, received? Yeah, um, you know, I, I was one of the guys that wanted to get my decision out straight away. And, um, you know, I sat down with my agents, got all the NBA feedback and stuff like that. So just sat down with them, my family, and I just felt like it was the best decision for me. Uh, obviously, like you said, I had I had uh, some choices I, I could have made and, and I could have gone to the NBA and stuff like that. But I just felt like I wasn't done at Duke yet, and, and uh, I have a lot more to prove this year. How much did NIL play a role in your decision to come back and play college basketball? Uh, it actually didn't play a lot uh, at all. Uh, it was sort of more so how happy I was, whether I wanted to play uh, in the NBA or stay in college. And, and um, it was mainly just my mental and, and how, how happy I was going to be. You said you're not done at Duke. You got some other teammates coming back from a team that last year that won an ACC tournament, made the second round of the NCAA tournament. How much have you all talked about winning a national championship in the second year for John Shire? That's been... The not not really surprised, but that's been the biggest change that I've seen from last year. Um, you know, we have Phoenix and Arizona on on the board every day before we before we practice. We visually see it, so so everyone's sort of locked in in that aspect. And I think everyone's just locked in on that one vision of getting to Phoenix in April, and and um, it's been an emphasis from from a leadership standpoint from me, Germ, Ryan, Flip, Mark, all the guys like you like you mentioned, and just getting the freshmen up to speed as quick as we can. So you know they're they're locked and loaded and going, and I feel like our, our mindset this year has just completely changed, and we're wired to win this year. Tyrese Proctor joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. It's Weston Walker live from the Hilton up town for ACC tip-off. So Tyrese, as you and everybody else are there deciding to come back to Duke or go pro, you said you you made your decision earlier, right? Yes, Where, sir. Uh, yeah, so as you make that decision, how much were you in the ear of yeah. uh, Kyle Filipowski, Mark Mitchell? Hey, let's run this thing back and see what yeah. we can do. No, um, yeah, so I wanted to make my decision as early as I can, and, and I was the first one to decide I came back. And um, once I sort of heard they were tossing up between, you know, the draft and coming back, I, I definitely spoke to them. And <laughs> And, um, you know, we, I mean, it, it worked. I guess we got four out of five guys coming back that started last year. And um, I just feel like we're, we're, we're all wired this year to win a national championship. Everyone knows what, what's expected. Coach Shire knows what's expected being year two. He's more confident. I just feel like we're all more confident as a group. That's Tyrese Proctor joining us here on Wesson Walker. Now, I know last year Coach Shire hosted a cookout at his house, right. right? I got to know, what did the Shire household have at their cookout and was the food good would you give it a thumbs up ah uh, 
It there was wasn't any staple or anything like that? No, it was good, though. <laughs> I, I think it was hibachi. Oh, really? Yeah, we had like a little hibachi out the front of his house. So it, was, it, was, it was really good. Did you it have was, it again this year? Another cookout? Uh, I, we didn't have hibachi. We, we, I mean, we were at his house all the time eating and yeah. stuff like that. But um, uh, I can't remember what we had this year. Hibachi was last year, though. We had a we had a little uh, we had a little cookout at, at uh, Seawell's house, Coach Kaywell's house. Okay, um, that was good as well. All right, so I'll have to ask him and see yeah, if he was yeah. uh, happy <laughs> with with the way that all the food turned out. What's your relationship like with John Shire and him? Honestly, going through this in a very new way too, taking yeah. over for Coach K. I mean, we we've been close ever since he he, he first called me. Um, you know, we built such a good relationship uh, throughout through my recruiting process and. Uh, the impact that I saw him him have on my family and the connection that 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 they built straight away was was big time for me. You know, I'm a really big family guy, and just seeing him interact with my little sister and stuff like that, um, you know, that hit home for me. And you know, him being a point guard on the national championship team is huge. And you know, he's always just giving me tips here and there on on how I can lead better, how I can you know do certain things on court better. And I think that's why we're so close. And and you know, he he obviously can't be on the court, so I'm sort of his his eyes on the court. And you know, we have to have you know, I mean, probably the strongest relationship out of anyone else on the court, you know, me leading the guys on the court. You uh, you mentioned, you know, making the transition from Australia to the U.S. Is there a former Australian basketball player you model your game after? Um, I wouldn't really say Australian. I model my game a little bit after Allen Iverson, Jamal Crawford. Those two guys that I sort of watched growing up. Oh, you want to undress dudes. With oh, the okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's, you know, I was known for being real shifty back home and stuff like that. Um, I mean, I will take Giddy and his pick and roll passing. Uh, I think he's one of the best passers in the NBA when he, when when you're talking about pick and roll passing. So, you know, I play with him back home as well uh, at the academy. So that's definitely a guy that I that I watch. We expect big things from Tyrese Proctor as well as this Duke basketball team coming into this season. A big thanks to Tyrese joining us in the Body Works Plus guest hotline. We appreciate it, man. Good luck the uh, rest of the season. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right, man. Once again, that's Tyrese. Really excited to watch him. It doesn't surprise me at all, by the way, as we start to talk about what happened last year. So the big storyline for them is the fact that everybody is coming back. The, everyone that was talented on that squad, really. I mean, yeah, you had a couple guys leave. Derek Lively being one of them, being one of the top picks, defensive anchor leaves. But you have new talent coming in. You got have guys that are experienced. And, Fiddy, doesn't it make sense when Tyrese discusses how physical Australia basketball was and how he was the only guy that you felt good about their performance against Tennessee? Because he was, he was the guy. I, it, it, and, and that was a, a football game. Look, despite your hatred for Duke, I get it. <laughs> Probably a little too physical for the Blue Devils, but Tyrese still thrived in it. It was making mid-range jumpers. They relied on him. It makes all the sense in the world when he compares the Australian game. You know, if you go back to March of last year, and we were talking about the ascension that Duke was on, it was he was the big reason why, because point guard play is so important in March. And he gave me Tyus Jones' vibe when he led Duke to the national title in, in 2015. And, you know, it, it ultimately didn't happen. But this is a guy that I, that I do think the moment the moment's not going to be too big for him because he grew up playing against pros overseas in a country that puts guys in the NBA on a regular basis. And so if Duke, if Duke has the type of year that they're expected to have, Filipowski's going to get probably the, the, the bigger national love. But Tyrese Proctor is going to be the engine that makes that team go. So... I love Tyrese's game. I've talked about that quite a bit. I talked about it last year, and he really came on strong. I thought it was also interesting that he mentioned he has to have the closest relationship compared to any other player with John Shire. 
I thought maybe that would be Jeremy Roach, and maybe Tyrese doesn't mean to leave him out, but mm-hmm. clearly he views his relationship with the head coach as important as any other player on this squad. And it makes sense, both the backcourt players, you usually deem them the quarterbacks of what you want to run with your offensive scheme, and then maybe you know whoever is running anchor back there on the defensive line, that's the guy making the decisions. But I thought that was interesting from Tyrese Proctor. Let's go back and recap a little bit with Tony Bennett as well, because I did want to mention our friend, Nada. He texted in. <laughs> He was listening. Big shout-out to Nada. You can catch him producing the Ion College Basketball Podcast, one of the more popular college basketball podcasts out there. He said, Tony Bennett sandbagging about how good that team is going to be is funny. It's the most talent they've had on a roster in a long while. What's interesting is he's right. And When Tony says we don't have the experienced guys coming back like we have in other transitions, that's true. But they got a lot of young talent coming in, and at least they have the one head of the snake in Reese Speakman. It might not be a ton, but you got one guy that leads the way on top of the young talent. Man, defensively, this team is going to be special, and even just talent-wise, perhaps a little more than you've had in the last couple seasons. I think that's why he's hesitant, though, because they are so young. They are so inexperienced. And, look, playing that pack line defense the way that they – they play it. They've almost perfected the damn thing. You, 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 you know, you got to have experienced guys that can do it. And so, um, it was funny that Nada thought he was gaslighting because I, I do think I do think Virginia is going to be back to where we expect them to be. And for the last decade, when you fill out your preseason ballot, you put Virginia top four. Like you know, top four you, is, is, is how you're going to do it. I think they're going to be back to that mold because, you know, Tony Bennett. Might be one of my biggest enemies. The guy is a great human being. He's a great coach, and he's going to be motivated to get that program back into the second week of the tournament after the way they exited last year against Furman. All right, because the way we're set up today, everybody that's listening to the show is going to get a little peek behind the curtain when we try to manage the clock. Fiddy, you're the producer. I know you're running things. Also, big shouts to Shroppy at the Planet Kia Studios. Oh, no. Oh, no. Forget Shroppy. I'm just, no, I'm just no, he, to give him a shout. He said he's my hair a- looks like a cul-de-sac. No. No, Shroppy gets no shout-outs today. (laughs) But you brought it to the air. I was going to let it slide. You brought it to the airwaves, and I'm sure people are glad that you did. Should we go to break and come back, or do we keep it here at the Hilton? What do we do here, Fiddy? Let's break. All right, let's break. When we come back, we'll talk with John Shire at the 12.50 mark, maybe a little beforehand. Still have plenty of ACC guests to get to on the Wesson Walker Show, live from ACC tip-off at the Hilton Uptown, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. I just, I just right now we should start the show. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We're at ACC tip-off. We're at the Hilton. We're uptown. Shroppy holding it down at the Planet Kia Studios. Josh Fitty Marlowe holding it down in the co-host chair while Wes does whatever, hangs out with all the players and the coaches, and then puts it on social media. West living his best life even still. Now, he is going to join us at 2 o'clock. 
and then he'll get to talk to his alma mater's head basketball coach, Steve Forbes, which is always a lot of fun. But it's going to be a while, so until then, I guess people on the text line are going to continue to make fun of your hairline, Fitty, and so is uh, the producer back in uh, the Planet Key Studios, like Shroppy, who his joke couldn't have gone over the airwaves unless you allowed it to. So God bless you for that. Yeah, no, I mean, I only have myself to blame, but, you know, this is the problem with, with, with the current radio medium is we, we, give, we give this guy a great opportunity to produce one of the most important shows we do all year long. We brought him in yesterday to host a, a, a game, and then the ego just gets out of control. He's taking shots left and right, and mm-hmm. what he what he forgets about is I am his superior. And, and so when I do get oh, okay. back, when I do get back to the studio, God willing, he's still there. You know, it's not going to be too fun for old Shrop. So uh, I'm, I'm glad he got his jokes in while he could. All right, Shrop, yeah, I'll turn on your mic. How do you respond to all those shots <laughs> fired from a few miles away? You know. I just have to pat his ego sometimes, so I'll say I'll say <laughs> on the air, Josh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to personally attack you. There you go. Smart move. Smart so, move. He did I'll, text me and said that he meant every word, but <laughs> texting you or telling you at least on the air that he doesn't mean it. I did want to mention, too, by the way, of course, not only do we have Charlotte Hornets basketball, ACC tip-off, we got the big playoff game tonight. How about Charlotte FC for the first time in their franchise's existence? They get to the postseason with that big win that they had over Inter-Miami. They will now play the New York Red Bulls tonight at 7.30. You can catch that game, listen to it, on WBT. Because we're carrying the Charlotte Hornets game, they have WBTV airing the Charlotte FC game. Set uh, The game's going to start at 7.30. Willie P going to be on the call, and, man, that is going to be one excited play-by-play announcer. It is the first playoff game by a team in the city of Charlotte since Cam Newton lost to the New Orleans Saints in the playoffs because the Hornets made two play-in appearances, but those those games... They actually, they're not on record. I agree. No, they shouldn't. And yeah. by the way, they shouldn't count as playoff Yeah, because, you know, you got beat by 35 in both of them. But the first playoff game for a Charlotte team in five years, it's going to be a lot of fun. And look, the way they've played the last four games, because they looked at the last four games and said, we got we to gotta take care of business. They did that. We saw a team in Arizona in, in Major League Baseball, 84-78. and 78, They're in the World Series. Maybe Charlotte FC could be MLS's Cinderella starting tonight against, uh, against New York Red Bulls. So we got to a postseason with Charlotte FC. We have one team with whatever you want to define as success. It's certainly a big deal, deal for that franchise. The Charlotte Hornets have not been to the playoffs in seven years. The last time they went, 2016. They were involved in a seven-game series with Miami. Purple shirt guy happens. Dwayne Wade happens. They get bounced. Kimba Walker leaves the organization after one more season. And now here we are trying to pick up the pieces ever since. They did pick up a star in LaMelo Ball. They did pick up a second overall pick in Brandon Miller. They got some nice role players. We'll see what happens with Miles Bridges. But do you think that this Charlotte Hornets team, starting lineup, bench and all, can they be a playoff team this year? I'm going to steal your answer with Jeff at the end of the Charlotte Sports today. I think it's via the play-in. I, yeah. I, I look at the Eastern Conference, you know, Boston, Philly, Milwaukee, Cleveland, New York. I, I think those teams are, are going to be for sure playoff teams. You know, I, I think Orlando is going to be poised to take a, a big step. I think Quinn Snyder, after a full offseason, get to implement his principles with the Atlanta Hawks. I think Atlanta is going to be much improved. So, um, I, I think if Charlotte's going to be a playoff team, it's going to be from the variety of a play-in. But how about instead of making the play-in, can we host one? Can we get a play-in game in Charlotte? Because I feel like 
that home crowd, that environment would propel them not to get beat by 30 and have a chance to actually make their first playoff appearance in seven seasons. If I can't handle another blowout, Fiddy, I'll tell you that. <laughs> if, if you get to the play-in tournament and you get blown out again, then I just what do you do at that point? Yeah. I, I just I don't know what to do. I would cry. I would loathe coming on these airwaves and talking about it. I just can't deal with another 30-point loss. Get to the play-in tournament because I just don't know how realistic it is to get a top six spot in the NBA standings this upcoming season. But you can get to a playoff series. That is the realistic goal at hand. And if you look at the standings, this is Mitch Kupchak's out because he views this as a playoff team. He's told you that a couple of times. There seems to be a philosophy shift. They're not trying to collect all these younger players anymore. They drafted three out of the four, honestly, a little more than I thought they were going to draft this past selection process. James Naji stays overseas. I think they may have even had five draft picks, if I'm not mistaken. So they use four. They stash one. And now they're like, all right, we're, we're done with young talent acquisition mode through the draft. It's time to put it all together and get to the playoffs. But his out has been that the Eastern Conference has gotten so much better. Yep. He's like, well, we're going to be a better team. I think that we should be a playoff team. But the Eastern Conference is not what it was a couple of years ago, the last time we won 43 games. So if you look at some of these teams, especially with what they were able to do last year in the regular season, Milwaukee, they got better. Boston got better and stayed the same. Even with some of these teams in the top six coming down just a hair, they're still going to be better than the Hornets. Philadelphia, for example. Yeah. They got all the drama in the world. You seem to be fascinated with the James Harden drama right now. Every, <laughs> I mean, it, every it, break we go to... It's a soap opera. It is. No, you're right about that. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen with James Harden. If he does move anywhere, it feels like it's going to be the Clippers. So talent not being added to the East, that might help the Hornets. Cleveland, I think, is too good. The New York Knicks, Jalen Brunson, I think, is too good. You're not going to go past the Hornets the wrong way. So it's really all about, can you get past Atlanta? Yep. It's going to be a great test I, to, to lead off the season with Trey Young trying to bounce back to the glory days of two years ago when they got to the Eastern Conference Finals and had that matchup. I, I wonder if this is going to be something where the Charlotte Hornets can realistically compare themselves to a team with also a young point guard that's considered a franchise player. Can they compare themselves to this team to reach those heights that the Hawks did just a few years back? I, th I think the more important question, Walker, is when we turn the calendar to 2024, are we going to be on playoff watch or peanut butter watch on my head? Yeah, good question by Bagel Guy on the text line. No doubt about it. But then, like, here's the thing: 36 and 46. You know, that's the record that I'm pulling for to not have <laughs> peanut butter put on my head. But 36 and 46 could get them in the back end of the playoff as well, or the play-in as well. So I think they're going to be better. I just don't know how much more wins that leads to. And I don't know if we're missing something, but all the national pundits, and I know this happens, I shouldn't be so surprised, right? But everybody else has this team as among the worst teams in the league. You're talking about this being last place in the association. You're talking about this team being listed at 31 and a half on the over-under. I just don't see them being that bad 
even if that is coming from national opinions when you talk about the Charlotte Hornets. So I don't expect that, but it does all start tonight when they take on the Atlanta Hawks. Tip going to be set, I believe, for seven, and you can catch that coverage here on WFNZ. All right, let's go to the Body Works Plus guest uh, hotline once again. John Shire, Duke's men's basketball coach, joining us now on Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Coach, thank you so much for the time. How are you? Of course. Yeah, I'm doing well. It's uh, This day means the, the season's right around the corner, so I'm excited and good to be here with you guys. You're starting to establish the routine, I guess. This is your second time coming back here as the head coach. How much different do you feel now? compared to the way you were feeling going into your first season as the head coach at Duke. I mean, come on. It's, it's, it's a story for a, a program. You know, there's definitely a comfort level that I feel and uh, a confidence, but at the same time, it's important to remember all the steps you took last year. You can't skip those steps, you know, of bringing the team closer together, um, of the work that you put in. Uh, all that time and energy matters when it's all said and done, and that's what I try to remind myself of. You said bringing them closer together. Damn, I mean, you brought them all back. <laughs> that helps. That helps. I, did you know when the season ended that you were going to get as many guys coming back? Because, no. yeah, I mean, no. Mark Mitchell, Flip, it's crazy. So what, what was your expectation compared to how it worked out where you do have four of the guys that we know of returning? Well, you, you always err on the side of losing more. Like any time it's been up in the air, most of the time they leave which is, that's okay. Like, that's that's the, the way it is. So for, for a flip to come back, um, thought there was a chance because knowing him, but also he could have left if he wanted to. Tyrese, same thing. Um, but it happened pretty quickly after the season. Tyrese said he was coming back. Uh, flip, shortly after him, said he was coming back. Mark, same thing. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, wow. Like, could have easily seen our team this year without any of the three. And all three come back. And then Jeremy um, thought the same thing with him. So to get all four of them back is kind of like hitting a grand slam. Uh, not kind of. It is like hitting a grand slam. Yeah, it's incredible. And it gives us an amazing core uh, core group for this year. Well, and, and here you are discussing how it's okay for them to leave, of course, right? right? That's what a lot of college basketball coaches discuss. Some coaches, you hear stories about them not allowing their players to return. What was your advice to them? What were your conversations like when these guys were trying to figure out if they wanted to come back to Durham or GoPro? Well, there's anybody who tells anyone that there's a right or wrong decision think is uh, think that's not fair. They need to make the best decision for them, especially when you consider there's more than just the basketball piece or the business decision. Like when you go pro, it's a business decision too. And so for Tyrese and Flip, like Tyrese, there's great upside flip the same he would have been drafted pretty high but there's still excuse me there's still great upside uh but they need to make the decision for them not for anybody else not for me not for the team and very quickly i could tell that they felt they had more to do here more they wanted to accomplish and they didn't want to just make it to the nba they wanted to stay there for a long time so i think it says a lot about the maturity for them and does me no good if i'm convincing them to come back and they're not fully in it. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, we're going to go through a stretch where you need to double down or it's rough. you got, you got to own the decision. And so that's something I'm proud of those guys for, owning the decision. Coach, you stepped into a pressure-packed situation. You're replacing the legendary Coach K. Duke. What did you learn about yourself as a first-year head coach? 
Well, here's the thing. I, as a player, I replaced J.J. Redick as a player. So it's not like it, you know, I'm, uh, I'm used to it. Uh, Are you going to replace him now on the podcast? <laughs> like, this is how we graduate, yeah, yeah, right? Trying to figure okay. out how to you know, take that next step. Uh, but I will say um, I'm proud of the year we had. I'm proud of the team, most importantly, the way they stuck together through some, you know, real adversity there. And, uh, you know, what did I learn about myself? You know, I guess just that we can do it. You know, I, I didn't have a doubt that we could, but until you go through it, uh, it's great to have experience based on what you actually did, not just what you think. And that's what last year was so important for. How much did you lean on Coach K at all if you did last year? Yeah, I mean, naturally, I, I lean on him a lot. You know, he's somebody that I'll go to the rest of my life in key moments. And he has great perspective and knows me. And, you know, I'm talking about off the court, too. You know, he's just somebody I'm close with in life. So he's always going to be somebody I go to. So here's the question I have, because I know you've answered that question a lot, right? How is it turning down the legend's advice? <laughs> like, listen, coach, all right? This ain't going to work for me. This I got to go in this direction. Is there any hesitance at least the first few times you did it? How much have you done that, and what's that like? Well, one, I've never been asked that question. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a good one. But, two, it's not like it's – when me and him talk, it's not like you need to do this. Yeah. It's talking through stuff together. And so, naturally, now, are there decisions I've made in games where – in the back of your mind, oh, that could be perceived as different or, yeah, but that needs to go out the window quick because you, you need to follow that, whatever you're feeling. And the thing I've known about Coach K for such a long time playing for him and then coaching with him is he wasn't afraid to be different. He wasn't afraid to make different decisions. So it's not like I'm turning down advice or anything <laughs> like that, but... Um, you know, I know I have to make the decisions. I feel best in that moment. Not that Coach K is this guy, but I picture him saying, hey, you might want to do this. Oh, what about this? And then he points to the floor. You see that? You see the court? <laughs> here? Maybe, maybe you listen to me. Some things are left, you know, yeah. unsaid yeah. and still make an impact. 100%. All right, last thing before we get you out of here. I, clearly, there's so many talented players coming back. I'm fascinated with Tyrese Proctor, just the impact that he had, especially the second half of the season. He talked about the similar or the difference, I should say, between – the Australian basketball league that he played in and how different it was in physicality. But the speed of the game in college was so different. He played Tennessee. It's a football game. And Tyrese looks like one of the better players on the court because he's so, he's so used to dealing with that. Was physicality a point of emphasis at all for you this offseason? Is that a little different because Tennessee's just a different opponent? And if, if it was a point of emphasis, then how good do you feel about that development this year? Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, we definitely want to play with more force this year. And part of having a younger team, you don't know how physical and how forceful you can play. So some of that does come with experience. Uh, but our guys are ready. I mean, they've been working hard. Uh, the physicality, they've used their bodies better, knowing, one, the work we've done with our strength coach in the weight room, Will Stevens, but also, two, it's more about the mentality, and uh, I think our guys are ready for that. Yeah, you got a lot of talent, a lot of experience. Should be a lot of fun. That's Coach John Shire, Duke Men's Basketball, on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, helping us out here at ACC Tip-Off. Coach, thank you so much for the time. Thank you, guys. Yeah, Thanks for having really me. Really appreciate it. Great stuff there from Coach John Shire, talking about his first season as Duke Men's Basketball coach and going into a second season with even that much more talent. We're going to take a quick break. We have plenty more to get to here on Weston Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.